Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Future Tech Podcast. I am Alan Thomas, and today we're speaking with Kirill Bentonoff who is a partner at Caviar. And we're going to be talking about tokenizing traditional asset classes, the trillion-dollar opportunity. Hello, Kirill. Hey, Alan. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really well, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, you're able to kind of sit down with us for a few minutes. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. And, uh, uh, well, first, let me ask you a little bit about Caviar, who they are and, and, and what the company does. Uh, yeah, I mean, Caviar is essentially a, um, uh, uh, a tokenized exposure to different asset classes. Um, it's, um, it actually, you know, has some real estate and some real estate debt, I should say, and some cryptocurrency um, exposures. And, uh, you know, the business model is uh, essentially trading investment in crypto and, and then re- short-term real estate debt. When we talk about uh, tokenizing the traditional classes of assets, and we talk about how it's a potentially a trillion dollar opportunity is that is that uh now is that just is that just some is that just us using hyperbole or is that is there, or could it really could it really go that wide is it really a trillion dollar opportunity on the horizon oh i i think it's 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 uh much more than uh uh much more than hyperbole i i do think that it's you know if we think about the traditional asset classes um the biggest asset class i believe is real estate and that's multiple trillions of dollars worth uh, globally, so you know, just that asset class alone is is you know over a trillion dollars. Then we have a ton of other 
uh, quote-unquote traditional asset classes that have been around for uh, for a very long time, you know, hundreds of years, uh, more, some less, and they're all, I believe, a lot of them are, are going to be transformed by the tokenization that's upon us these days. Ah, okay, and, and that's a good, that's a great example using real estate as as the example. Would that be the? Uh, I guess that would be the the biggest one to watch in terms of how how quickly or, or how much of the time, or what kind of time frame we're looking at in terms of it becoming more widespread. Would real estate be the area to watch? I think so. I mean, I, I know that there is a number of companies addressing uh, real estate tokenization. Um, it is certainly not easy. Uh, so real estate, I think, is like 200 plus trillion dollar market globally. Um, so and it's been around, you know, since almost since humans have been around. Right. We, we've had <laughs> right. a place to live. <laughs> we know maybe it was quite different before. But, you know, in the modern age, uh, we've had uh, a, a house or, or a condo or an apartment or whatever. Uh, and um, if you own that piece of real estate, there's a whole bunch of things that happen sort of behind the scenes. I mean, you have the title, which records your ownership, and that title is being held on a piece of paper at some uh, building called the town hall, usually, at least in the U.S. I mean, in other parts of the world, it's probably a little bit different. But, you know, then that right there is a single point of failure. If something happens to that title, that town hall, you know, then there's a title insurance. Uh, there is uh, there's all kinds of people involved in helping uh, other people find that real estate and then also buy the real estate, then also finance the real estate, pay back, refinance. I mean, there's a huge industry. I mean, real estate is, I believe, is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, that whole, you know, that whole ecosystem. So um, and, and then we have residential real estate, we have commercial real estate, uh, and for and it's a, it's a it's a very different type of a need, right? For a person, they just need a place to live. They want to be able to get it the cheapest possible way in the most you know cost-effective and attractive way that they can. Uh, for a business that that buys the real estate uh, to either lend or to to rehab or whatever their model is, it's a different you know use case. So yeah, I think real estate is is uh is certainly one to watch um there's also i i believe like all of the all of the different types of asset classes can be tokenized i mean we we could talk about um art collectible art i know some companies are addressing that tokenization uh we could talk about intellectual property i know companies that are you know thinking about addressing that tokenization and pretty much everything else i believe wow wow i i didn't realize uh yeah i didn't realize that that Art or uh, IP would actually be involved as well. I mean, I mean, real estate makes the most sense, but yeah, um, yeah, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. And, and would there, and if we're looking at the real estate portion of it, would do you think there'd be any difference in uh, between a residential transaction versus a commercial transaction doing it that way? I mean, or I would think it be, so. or would it work? The same? I, I, I mean, I think some of the things would be the same, and some would be would be very different because, again, I think that the you know the um, the ultimate goal is different. I mean, in the commercial scenario, you have a uh, usually a business buying that real estate that would you know for profit or for some kind of use, right? And they uh, they might have more capital, they might have a shorter time frame or maybe a longer time frame to repay or to hold that piece of real estate. Whereas uh, with the residential, uh, people are just you know they they need a place to live. There you know some of them uh, have uh, or most people I, I would say have a budget right that they're working within they can't really like just go out and buy anything that they want 
they have certain needs, they need a certain number of bedrooms, and they're looking at it as a, you know, it, it's different. And I, th I do think that the, I mean, there's going to be, at the end of the day, it's still real estate and it's tokenization of, a, of an asset and, you know, all the things I mentioned before, titles and, and all the, the other things that could potentially be tokenized or somehow brought onto the blockchain uh, will play a part in it, but 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 it, but it will vary, um, you know, in the execution of it. I believe. Okay, and that and that, uh, that actually that brings us to another question that I already had, and and it's it's a question that sometimes I like to ask everybody about uh, what uh, what uses or what ideas seem much too ambitious for the near term, you know, versus the stuff that we ought to be able to do within the next two to five years. You know, sometimes people have ideas, and you say, well, no, that's decades away versus well we should be able to do this within five yeah I, I hear you i mean i think about that often i mean i like to shoot for the stars if i can you know um with with ideas because i do think that um you know the, the those moonshot ideas oftentimes um are the ones that really move the humanity forward by a notch um but i think you know not specific to tokenizing asset classes but i i think that um some some things that I've seen around like communication on the blockchain between autonomous vehicles. I mean, to me, that's that's not doable in five years. I'm not saying don't do it because I do think it's going to happen, but I, I just don't think it's five years because a we don't have autonomous vehicles and and you know there's all kinds of major complexities around getting those going, as we all know, and 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 then b you know the communication between them is is another further step away. So that's just one that you know I've looked at. Um, that you know seems like it's a it's a it's just a, a bigger moonshot. But again, I I do think that that that's, that day is going to come, and the company that's able to uh, to progress that technology and to have enough capital to in front of that game. Ah, that's a, that's a great that's a great answer. Like I said, I just look. I, that's one of those questions where it's just kind of you, you just kind of just kind of like indulging in imagination for a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? Uh, especially considering we're always, how we're always discussing emerging technologies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, when someone uh, comes to caviar and they want to get in this game, what is it that they experience as, as a new client uh, with you guys? I, know, I mean, I mean, I mean is, there, is there kind of a tutorial or, a, or, or an onboarding or how does it work? I, I don't. I mean, I I don't think caviar is not exactly in that in that business. I, mean, I don't think that. I mean, um, probably the um, you know the, there is really not any clients that come to us specifically. So we're not we're not ourselves in the asset tokenization business. Um, I just you know we have some peripheral uh, exposure to that, and I've become an expert. I believe in a, a fair expert at how it it could work potentially just through my own. Uh, studies and and some exposure to the general real estate business, but uh, the company is not really involved in in specifically in tokenization right now. Ah, okay. And and where's uh um where's Caviar's focus right now? I guess, or for the or let's say for the next year or so. Uh, I mean, we're we're essentially we're as I mentioned, we're you know trading and investing in cryptocurrencies and that kind of stuff. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I got you. And for you, uh, was the was was the um founding of caviar basically was that just basically grown out of your like you said your own interest just your personal interest uh in the beginning a few years back with bitcoin or or, or yeah or with blockchain rather yeah exactly i mean i i've um i've had some uh so um i've been a partner at, at this uh real estate debt fund uh which uh, nothing to do with blockchain but basically it's, it's a fund that and it's still you know alive today 
Uh, it's a fund that provides short-term capital for small businesses who do real estate flips, essentially. So uh, if someone, you know, wants to refi, uh, I'm sorry, if someone wants to, to buy and rehab a, a property, they could come to, uh, to this fund and, and uh, you know, ask for a loan. There's a process and all that stuff that they go through. And, and then if they are approved at the end, then they basically get a private loan uh, to, you know, to help them uh, rehab this, this uh, piece of real estate. So that's how I kind of got exposure to real estate. Um, other than, you know, my own personal, you know, place where I live and whatnot. But um, yeah, and then and then the other stuff is um, I've been looking at, I, I, I do think that uh, all that's going on now uh, with the sort of the turbulent markets, the uh, all the startups and the, the blockchain uh, companies that are coming up in various ways, however they're, you know, raising capital or whatever they're doing to, to kind of get out there. I, I do think that um, there is a certain use case for, uh, for those that essentially are out there, uh, um, you know, working inside the markets, um, because we have, for example, a stock market, we have other various markets in the world. This is a brand new uh, type of a, um, uh, an asset class, I guess, right? It's, uh, it's something that has never existed before. There is just ways that, that it operates that are completely different from anything that's ever existed. I mean, you have person-to-person exchanges you have transferability cross-border global i mean completely uh completely different than uh let's say a uh you know a stock market on new york stock exchange or something like that that operates and uh you know it it has uh or now it's run by computers but it has you know it still has a a place of business there's traders running around on the ground and and all those people have 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 its place still and had its place and they brought us to where we are today and and now I, i believe that this token economy is what's going to be the 21st, 22nd century uh, um, of uh, various economic exchanges that have been going on. Uh, this is sort of just the next step, and it's completely different than what's existed before. So it's, based on, so it's just an, it's an inevitability, really, is what you're saying. I mean, for us to go this way or, or for the tokenization. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, I believe so. I mean, I, I think that... You asked somebody a few years ago. I mean, I, you know, honestly, for myself, when 2013, I found out Bitcoin existed, and really, it was before Ethereum. I think Ethereum really made a difference, where now new tokens can be spun up on on the blockchain, and um, new companies can start to exist, and new use cases can develop. And smart contracts started. Uh, um, so 2013 was before that. It was just Bitcoin currency, um, you know, um, sort of. Uh, under the un- underground, more or less, and, and not nobody really knew about it. So when I found out, I, I, I can honestly say I wasn't like, oh wow, this is like the, this is the next generation. I mean, I I was like, okay, this is interesting, and I was always into technology. I had a couple other tech companies before that, and um, I I was like, okay, this is something that I just keep an eye on, and you know, I bought this Bitcoin just kind of for fun and. Um, and then after that, I basically started following the news and, you know, over a period of time, I started to realize that, Hey, this is, this is a little bit more than just, you know, than just something that that's just cool. And then we'll probably die out. I, you know, I knew it was bigger than that. And then when Ethereum came, uh, and the smart contract capabilities and, and you could really, I mean, you could really see the, you know, the, the shift in, in, uh, in perception and, and just you know, other, a lot of other businessmen getting in and, and, and everyone in excitement and everyone started to, to realize that, Hey, this is, this is huge. And, and today, I mean, you know, sort of the, uh, 
the change in back in 2017, if you, I'm sure you remember, it wasn't that long ago. It seems like ages in the space, but you know, back in, back in, back in like you know, summer. I remember this like late summer of uh, of uh, 2017. I think Bitcoin was like two or three thousand um, dollars, and um, and I couldn't believe. I was like, wow, it's already come this far, and I you know just couldn't believe that it was even there. And but it was still sort of an underground. Uh, more or less underground, you know, not very uh, mainstream um, thing to get into. And then really over that that late summer and, and the fall of 17, it, it just, it, you know, it just kind of blew up and it's all over the news. And here we are today. I mean, we have, I read today that 20% of uh, the banks, investment banks, and, and I believe other banks that trade, 20% of them globally are exploring or have already got into cryptocurrency so they're building a cryptocurrency desk and their clients would be able to trade uh using you know using them or maybe they're trading with their own capital i, I don't know but 20 percent is already doing it you know you have goldman sachs obviously uh through circle and and themselves are very active you know the biggest or one of the biggest investment banks uh we have you know just a huge number of mainstream what we would consider mainstream players uh, are getting in in one way or another. I mean, it's just, um, you know, it's grown, grown beyond what I would ever imagine it would be. So at a certain point, when we look in the history books, we'll definitely be able to look at, like you said, summer of 17 and the fall of 17 and say this was kind of the tipping point or that was the kind of when it broke wide, I guess. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think that that's, that's the time that it went mainstream. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more other tipping points. It seems like, you know, every week we take it week by week. Every week there's something different, something new that happens. Uh, but that was the mainstream, I believe. And do you think, and, and what, what are the, well, I guess, what do you, do you think uh, actually made it finally hit the news or break wide? Was it just, was it just that it was hitting 2000 and 3000? Was that the one thing that did it or was it just a combination of factors? Um, you mean you mean why seventeen was sort of that year? Yeah, why seventeen? Why it suddenly hit the news, and why these banks suddenly decided to, like you mm -hmm. said, have a Bitcoin desk? Like it all seemed to happen at once. But uh, yeah, I guess in, in your opinion, what do you think? Was it just that it was hitting two thousand and three thousand, or is it a combination? Yeah. Like it was a perfect storm situation. I, yeah, I think it was a confluence of facts. I mean, it was it was the fact that there were so many ICOs on at the time that were raising. Uh, increasing amounts of capital and, and, and they were getting some coverage and that probably was interesting to people and interesting to reporters, importantly. Uh, and they were, obviously, this is like an innovation and, and a new technology and a new way to raise capital and, and a new everything. And once they found out that that was out there, they were kind of all over it and bringing it to their outlets and, and thus kind of the start of the uh the groundswell of public knowledge, and I and I, I think that it's the market cap. You know, it was it was just a confluence of facts. I mean, I also think that there's been outside the U.S. There's probably been and continues to be more interest and excitement about cryptocurrencies than in U.S. I mean, U.S. is certainly you know there's certainly excitement in U.S. as well, but outside in in the rest of the world, it's I believe better adapted and and kind of you know, kind of accepted with more openness than it is in U.S. Oh, that well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, like, because, like you said, it just seemed to burst onto. I mean, yeah. at least in, in terms of mainstream news outlets. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Kirill, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast, and and now for any listeners out there who want to, uh, you know, kind of engage with you and and 
and your expertise on these subjects? I mean, what's the best way for them to, to reach you? I think LinkedIn. If you just uh, type my name into LinkedIn, uh, you'll find me quickly, I'm sure, and just shoot me a message. I check LinkedIn fairly regularly. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reply. If you guys have any questions out there, I'm happy to uh, happy to engage. Okay, great. That'll, that'll work great. Well, again, thank you, Kirill, for coming on to the podcast. And we, we thank you for your time and your expertise. Hey, and thank you so much for having me. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, in their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here. Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.